And um, I'm going to invite up Anna to uh, read the reading, and then Bishop Graham is going to come and speak to us, and then we will confirm the candidates. Wonderful. I'm reading today from Acts, Acts chapter 2, verses 37 to 47. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted this message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor, favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Amen. Thank you, Anna. Shall we pray as we sit? God, our Father, we pray you would send your Holy Spirit upon us, that spirit that is able to unlock our hearts, to open our ears, to bend our wills, to follow Jesus. Help us to hear not just my words, but your words spoken to us today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, that reading was an account of one of the most dramatic days uh, you could imagine. It was the day on which the church was born. Uh, if it wasn't for that day, we wouldn't be gathering here now, because that was the day when the church came into being. But in particular, it was a day when these people who were gathered there in Jerusalem, they if you like, had their, had their lives interrupted by God. And there were many people in Jerusalem that day who were just carrying on doing their normal stuff. They'd come into Jerusalem from all over the world and they were uh, coming in to kind of go to the temple and do the sort of normal thing that they did. And then suddenly the Holy Spirit falls upon them and they find themselves interrupted by God, summoned. And I guess something like that has happened to many of us here today as we look back maybe on a moment when God spoke into our lives and we found ourselves interrupted. We were kind of going on quite normally with our lives and suddenly God interrupts and put his fingers upon you and calls you. And that's maybe particularly true for those of you being confirmed today. Uh, you have found your lives interrupted by God. 
And what happens when God does that, when he puts his finger upon you and makes you aware of his reality and his presence, is that things begin to happen. You begin to live differently. That's what happened here. They found they started selling their possessions and giving them away so they could raise some money to give to the poor. Uh, they started sharing them out amongst each other. Uh, they found their, their hearts were full of, of lightness and a sort of generosity of, of spirit. They found all kinds of things going on in answer to their, their prayers. They found other people wanting to come to church. All kinds of things happen as they respond to this interruption which God brings into their lives. And if you like, it's a picture of the beginning of the Christian life. And what we see read in this story is that they, uh, they repent, they change direction, they start living differently, they get baptized, and then they receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And in a way, that's kind of what's happening today. In a moment, when I pray for all the candidates, I'll be praying for the gift of the Holy Spirit for them. I'll be saying, confirm, O Lord, your servant with your Holy Spirit. That's what I'll be saying. We're praying for the Spirit for them. But I guess the question is, how does this continue into the future? Those of you being confirmed today, how, how do you know that in 5, 10, 20, 30 years, however long it is, that you're still going on in the faith that you profess today? Today you're making some really solemn promises, but how do you make sure that it stays for the longer term? And one of the ways to do that is to adopt what uh, Christians in the past have often called a, a rule of life. A kind of bit of a structure for your life, which makes sure you get a bit of direction for it. A number of years ago, I remember, um, I, I'm a very bad gardener, but I, every now and again I do a bit of gardening and I have to do that. Now, we, we were in our house and I was planting a, a, a clematis, or clematis, I don't even know how you pronounce these things, but anyway, uh, gardeners will tell me afterwards. But um, I was planting this, um, this clematis and, and, uh, and someone told me, well, you can't just plant a clematis in the ground because it's going to go all over the place. What you need is a trellis. You need a structure that will help the plant to grow. And so that's what I did. I went along to the garden center and bought my trellis and I stuck it in the ground and planted my clematis and the clematis grew up and it spread. And sure enough, exactly what happened. It needed, the growth of this thing was amazing. It grew really, really quickly, but it needed a structure to keep it upright and alive. Otherwise, it would have gone all over the place. It would have been very chaotic. And it's a little bit like that with the rule of life. In our Christian life, when the Holy Spirit is at work in us, we need a structure. We need a kind of framework to help that growth to continue into the future. So what I'm going to offer you today is a little structure, especially thinking of those of you being confirmed, but maybe also all the others listening in as well, to kind of help you think about what it is that's going to keep you going in the longer term. And it is something that's given to us in this text, just a few little verse that comes in the middle of it where it says this. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So there are four little things that you can put in place in your life to keep you going in the long term that will make sure in 10, 20, 30, 40 years time, however what it is, you're still growing as a Christian and going on with it. So let me take you one of those things by in turn. The first thing, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, how do we do that? Well, we devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching because we find the apostles' teaching in the Bible. And to devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching is to read the Bible and read it regularly. Now, why do we do this? Why do we read the Bible? Um, anyone been to a, one of those 3D films in the cinema? Okay, been to some of those. Okay, so when you go to a 3D film, what do they give you on the way in? 
They give you a pair of glasses, right, exactly. They give you a pair of glasses. And what happens in a 3D film is if you, if you spent all your life watching films in the cinema or on TV with kind of two dimensions, sort of flat screen, but, you know, up and down, you're used to that. You're seeing life in two dimensions. When you go to a 3D film and they give you the glasses, suddenly something else happens. You're not just seeing life in this, this film in two dimensions, you're seeing it in three dimensions. You're seeing another whole dimension opens up in front of you. Now, it's a little bit like that when you read the Bible. When you read the Bible, you see all the kind of stuff that goes on in ordinary life. In ordinary life, it's full of people and arguments and families and politics and kings and queens and stuff happens. Ordinary life. The kind of thing that you'll read in every newspaper, every kind of website you go on, all that's there in the Bible. But in the Bible, there's something else going on as well. Because in the Bible, when you open it, all kinds of other stuff happens. Because the Bible is a world in which, yes, you see all the ordinary things, but also it's a world in which God is alive and at work. So when you open the Bible, you see remarkable things happen. You see the sick getting healed. You see the poor having good news preached to them and being given respect and homes and resources. You find dead people being risen from the dead. You find all kinds of things happening that don't normally happen in newspapers and websites and everything else. It's like seeing a whole other dimension of life when you open the Bible and you see these strange things going on. Now, the reason we read the Bible is so that we can see that third dimension. And the point of it is not just that you sort of, you know, read the Bible, close it, and get on with your normal life in two dimensions, but so that you can begin to see that third dimension in the ordinary life you live every day. So when you go into your day, having opened the Bible in the morning, you're alert to looking for the points where God is asking you to pray for someone, where someone does need some a word from the Lord spoken to them where you meet people who really do need that sense of respect that God gives to people who don't normally get it from the rest of the world. So what the Bible does is it opens up that third dimension for us so we can see it around it, notice it, live in it in our daily life. So it's the first thing these early Christians did and the first thing that we need to do if we're really going to be there for the long term in the Christian life, to, to devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching. Read the Bible and read, get it to know it well. Get that discipline in your life. If you don't have it already, if you have it already, that's brilliant. But if you don't have it already, make sure every day you spend some time just opening the scriptures, reading it. Maybe you do Bible in a year, do it in a whole year. It doesn't matter how you do it, but just make sure every day you are checking in and hearing God speaking to you, opening that sense of that third dimension opening up for you so that it changes the way you look at the world as you go along. So that's the first thing, the apostles' teaching. Second thing, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. They met together. There's a little rule of life. It is that you become like the people you spend time with. That's why you need to choose carefully the people you spend time with. A lot of time, we don't get much choice. We get given our families. We spend time with them. And that's kind of what happens when you grow up in a family. You kind of become like the people you spend time with. You get shaped by your parents and your family. You learn the language you've grown up with. You kind of learn the assumptions that people have. We become like the people we spend time with. And if we are going to grow into Christian life, if we are going to become more like Jesus, one of the primary ways in which we'll do that is by making sure we spend time hanging around other people who are learning to be like Jesus. 
Because you cannot do this on your own. There are aspects of the character of Jesus that you can never really see on your own, but other people bring it out. And when you spend time with other people who are committed to this path of becoming like Jesus, you might see someone, oh, that shows me something of the kindness of Jesus. This person over here shows me something of the mercy of Jesus. This person over here teaches me something about the forgiveness that Jesus brings. We see Jesus in the people who are seeking to follow him. And that's why we need to have in our life the discipline of fellowship, making sure we meet together regularly. There's one surefire way of making sure you lose your faith and you drift away from it altogether. And that's by just trying to do it on your own. Never meeting with anybody else, never allowing Jesus to speak to you through the fellowship of people who gather around him. And so wherever you are, whether it's this church, whether you move away to another church, make sure that Sunday is the day you gather with God's people. Ideally, you want to meet during the week as well. Find some little group of people who uh, you trust and who you, you can pray with. Um, that may be just three or four people, or maybe it's a larger group that you meet during the week to make sure you're spending time. Yeah, you need all your other friends as well. That's great. That's fantastic to have all kinds of different friends, including those who don't share your faith. But make sure at the heart of your life, you've got that group of people who will keep walking with you and will teach you more about Jesus because they're trying to follow him too. So there's a second thing. They devoted themselves to fellowship. The third thing, they devoted themselves to the breaking of the bread. The one service that Jesus told us to have, one of the great things he told us to do when we gather together, is just like he did with his disciples on the Last Supper to break bread, pour out wine, and share that meal together. And that, in a way, was a way of Jesus being present with them as they met together. And there's something about that thing of Holy Communion that is kind of always there, and it brings you back to the heart of the Christian faith. Because whenever you come to break bread, pour out wine, share in the Holy Communion, what happens is that you are brought back to Jesus. However may, you may have kind of wandered off in different, but you're brought back to Jesus. You're brought back to his death on the cross for you. You're brought back to the Christian fellowship that gathers around him. You're brought back to the relationship that he invites you into as you, if you like, feed on Jesus. It's like f- spiritual food. Every bit as much as you need physical food, you need this spiritual food as well. And the great thing about the Holy Communion is that it doesn't really matter what you feel like. Sometimes you come to church and you're full of beans and you want to join in the worship and you want to really kind of let it rip and that's fantastic. Other times you come to church and you really don't feel like that at all. But the great thing about Holy Communion, it's always the same. You're offered bread and wine. You're offered Jesus. And it brings you back to the heart of the Christian faith. Whatever you feel like, Jesus is there for you. He offers himself to you. And that's why I think they made a real priority of this, to gather together for the breaking of the bread. And then the last thing was the prayers. They devoted themselves to prayer. One of the ways, primary ways we make a difference in the world is by not just what we do, but by what we pray about. A couple of weeks ago, We were remembering that event uh, 30 years ago uh, when the Berlin Wall fell. 
And that was the beginning of the kind of reunification of Germany and the whole end of the Cold War and the whole experiment of communism in Eastern Europe and so on. And other people were reminding us that the heart of that event was an idea that one man had, a man called Christian Führer. He lived in Leipzig and he had an idea. And that was to start to pray, to pray for the future of his nation, for Germany, to pray for some of the injustices that he saw around him. And he gathered a few people together. There were nine of them to begin with, meeting in a church in the center of Leipzig. And as she started to pray, this gathering began to grow. People began to think this is one of the ways we can express our dissatisfaction with the way life is here in our city and our nation. Before long, there were thousands of people coming to meet in that church to pray. And actually what happened was that the government tried to stop the prayer meetings, but they couldn't do it, and it carried on happening, and it was on the, uh, the 9th of October, uh, 1989, just over 30 years ago, this incredible march that grew out of this prayer meeting of 70,000 people went out to walk around Leipzig, and the government were expecting somehow there was going to be a violence and disruption, but there wasn't. All they did was carry candles prayed and sang as they went around and one of the officials said later on we were expecting bullets and guns what we weren't prepared for is prayers and candles and that in a sense gave confidence to the people of eastern germany that actually things could change when you start praying things change and so that's why i think those early disciples said right we're going to make sure whatever we do we're going to pray Pray every single day, praying together, praying alone. We get to devote ourselves to prayers. So there it is. There's your structure. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the reading of the Bible, asking God to speak to you. They devoted themselves to the fellowship, meeting together with others, making sure that others who are walking with you becoming like Jesus. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, the coming together around the bread and the wine that represents Jesus' presence amongst us. And they devoted themselves to prayer. And if you make those four things real strong pillars in your life, that you do those things regularly, you build them in, that's part of your discipline, it's your trellis upon, the, upon which the kind of growth of your faith happens, who knows what might happen? We know what happened in the book of Acts. Because it says that awe came on everyone because signs and wonders were being done by the apostles. It said they sold their possessions and goods and distributed the proceeds to all. They broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Maybe even that might happen in our nation. If we do this thing, if we devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, the breaking of bread and the prayers. Amen.